What is good, all of our listeners? Welcome to another episode of Games and Groceries. My name is Adam. I'm Liz. And I was super nervous on the Ham Radio Podcast. <laughs> How's everybody doing? You doing good? I was nervous on the Ham Radio Podcast. <laughs> so I said this on Twitter, on my own uh, Twitter account, at Ace the Grocer. Uh, I was actually asked to be a guest on the Ham Radio Podcast hosted by Mr. Matty Plays and ACG, right? Uh, and I definitely want you guys to check it out, but just a little side check as you're watching it. Yes. I was like actually kind of nervous being on that show. Um, because beforehand I, I talked to Maddie, you know, we had a like nice little conversation. I was less nervous to like meet him because I was like, Oh, you know, cool guy. Yeah. But I wasn't prepared to witness Jeremy Penter, like ACG. Right. I was just like when he when he was on the discord and I saw him, I got a little starstruck. So when I tried to communicate him through discord, I I was about to say, yo, ACG, what's good? But it turned out to be like ACG. Hi. (laughs) It was just like super nerve wracking. And uh, and all he replied was was, yep, (laughs) (laughs) that's me. That's me. I was like, ACG, what's good? Yep. But. Uh, they were super cool guys. We had a lot of good conversations, but you can see the first 10 minutes. I'm just like a little shaky, just making sure that I'm I'm going to say everything right. Yeah. And I don't come off as like, like, I don't know. I didn't know how it was going to mm-hmm. come off. But yeah. So if, you, if you're if you interested in seeing that, it's on YouTube. Uh, just search Ham Radio Podcast or Mr. Maddie Plays' his, uh, channel. Uh, it's about two and a half hours, but it's really good conversations about um, the new Call of Duty trailer, Death Stranding, a lot of good topics. So but it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed being on that show. Um, and I and this is the second time I was a guest on the podcast. Uh, this is this one and greatest show on dirt. Mm-hmm. I like being on like podcasts. So if you want me on or if you want us both on, yeah, you know, Liz is here, too. I'm here. Hi. So if you want us both on, just, uh, you know, give us a contact and. We're also working on getting more guests on this show. Mm-hmm. It's just been a really, really busy. You know who you are, um, but it's just been like super busy on our end. That's coordinating with another guest is kind yeah. of difficult at this yeah. point. But we definitely want to get more guests on. But we have our next guest coming on pretty soon. Uh, the voice actor for uh, Top Three Gaming News. So you hear like Top Three Gaming News. Like that dude's gonna mm-hmm. come on. Uh, so I've already asked him, and he's going to be probably after the E3 episode. So, yeah. so Liz, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm a little under the weather today. Yeah. But um, I'm good. I'm here. I'm alive. You're alive. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> the dog's here, too. He is. Yeah. We're actually in a new studio place. We we moved from out of our basement into like a better like sound uh quality i guess but yeah it's just a different room in our house we didn't get a studio or anything people don't worry about it yeah um but the dog doesn't know what to do with himself because he's like this is new and he keeps exploring again oh my goodness yeah but uh yeah so we're here and before we get into our first segment let's just go through our intro uh you can follow us on social media you can follow the podcast twitter it's at gaming groceries because games and groceries didn't fit so it's at Gaming Groceries, or you can follow us individually. I'm at Ace the Grocer. And I'm at Journey First. So you can follow us individually, be friends with us, tell us how much you love us, and tell us who's your favorite. You know, you can play favorites here on this podcast. Oh, uh, but also follow us on Instagram, Games and Groceries, all one word. I share behind-the-scenes photos, including what our new studio kind of looks like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I shared that on the, on the Instagram, uh, some gaming memes yeah, sometimes. Even though your mom didn't think that it looked any different. I'm just like... Yeah, how is it? Whatever. Um <laughs> But finally, we wanted to uh, share our website, gamesandgroceries.com, where you can listen to all of our episodes from the website. And I try to write as many blog posts as I can on on it. I try to write one a week. I didn't get to it this week. Yeah. But you can check out all the other blog posts that I did, and I'm hopefully going to write one this week, even though it's going to be super busy at work this mm-hmm. week. It's going to be it's gonna be busy for a couple months. Yeah, Summer exactly. Summer is the busiest time for a youth pastor. It really is. It is. It's awful. Summer and holidays. So basically all year. Yeah. (laughs) 
And the final bit of announcements before we get into our first segment, we just want to talk a little bit about the E3 episodes, what our plans are. So the first, there's going to be two parts. There's going to be part one and part two. That's what a two-parter means. There's going to be a part one and part two. (laughs) But the first part is going to be released on Monday, June 10th. And that's going to be covering EA, Microsoft, Bethesda. I think that's all coming out this weekend. I think. I'm pretty sure. Don't look at me. (laughs) Yeah. So it's going to be all from like Saturday and Sunday. And it's going to be released uh, Monday, June 10th. Part two is going to be released Wednesday, June 12th. And that's going to be covering uh, all that's on Monday and Tuesday, which is Square Enix, Ubisoft, and Nintendo. So it's going to be a two-parter. Yeah. And just to warn you now... They're probably going to be longer episodes. We're pro- yeah. Each episode might reach an hour and a half. But we want to cover as much as we can uh, just to tell you what, what our thoughts are with each segment. I mean, Microsoft itself is going to have a two-hour, two two-and-a-half-hour presentation. Yeah. So we're going to make it as short as we can. But don't be surprised if like each episode is like reaching past an hour. Yeah. But we're not going to like give you like two hour episodes. Yeah. We're going to try and keep it in an hour. Yeah. But we're definitely not going to do two hours. Yeah. Most because so. I don't think our bodies can talk. Yeah. Two hours. Oh, I did on the Ham Radio podcast. Well, you did. <laughs> two he, hours. He did like this pose like I'm I'd, special. Yeah. I did it. Two Two hours and 38 minutes. It was nuts. Um, so yeah, I think that's all of our time uh, for the segment, but also give us some ratings on iTunes. I want to read more uh, iTunes ratings or wherever mm-hmm. you put your ratings are. So if you rate us on anywhere on your iTunes, on Stitcher, just send it to me and I'll read it on the podcast. So yeah. Um, with that all said, let's just jump into our first segment. Movie Minutes. Movie Minutes is a segment where we talk about the movies that we watched this past week, whether it be on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, or in theaters, and we just want to talk about whether we recommend it or we don't recommend it. And this week's movie is, well, before we talk about what our real Movie wow, Minutes is. Wow, to play them. Yeah, that's how I do. Uh, let's just talk a, 30 seconds. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, we saw it. There's just a lot of coverage on YouTube. You yeah. can see everybody's rating, so there's really no point in us giving a full review of it. Yeah. 30 second. It was okay. Yeah. I enjoyed it a little more than Adam did, but... Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was a solid movie. It's not a waste of time. Yeah. I think it, I think it's decent. Yeah. Fine. Not a waste of time. Yeah. There's Godzilla. Boom. 30 seconds. Uh, but this week's Real Movie Minutes is actually a Hulu exclusive. It's not a Hulu... Uh, made movie, but it's exclusively on Hulu. And it's a movie starring Dakota Fanning titled Please Stand By. So, opening thoughts. What do you think of the movie? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I mean, Dakota Fanning is amazing. Mm-hmm. I've always loved her. And this is released in 2017. So, this is older Dakota Fanning. And by older, I mean like 25. I was going to say, not. Older. Well, we know Dakota Fanning as a child actress, so that's what I mean. Well, I mean, I saw her in Twilight. Well, yeah, but we know her as... Well, yeah. She's the Sterling Temple of our time. She is. Mm-hmm. Um, But so, I mean, Dakota Fanning is still amazing. She doesn't do as much now, but she is still amazing. Um, It was just really good, and I really... um. It was meant to help a cause mm-hmm. and raise awareness. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. Yeah. That they like kind of did a movie to help around that and yeah. support. So support. Um, should we say what it is? Yeah, I'll, I'll go into the synopsis a little bit. Yeah. So Dakota Fanning plays a young girl who is struggling with autism, mm-hmm. right? And we see her, uh, Fanning's uh, character is named Wendy. So Wendy is in a group home with other um, autistic people. It's not even children. It's just uh, people who are... Yeah, most of them are older. Yeah. Like 18 and over. Like, I think her yeah. character is supposed to be 21. Yeah, 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's, it's a group home that teaches them life skills, how to get a job, how to get to that job on their own. Yeah. So it's teaching them <clears throat> how to live life yeah how to care for themselves yeah and support themselves so i think this movie handled autism fairly well Mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely what i don't like about some 
autism like representation mm -hmm. now now i i want to say this as a preface uh i have worked with autistic children i've worked in uh ministries where they you know treat um yeah. kids with autism i i've worked with uh, all sorts of spectrums i'm not an expert but yeah, I, but, but i have you, you've worked with them before yeah exactly like in group homes and yeah. different uh, other places in fact um in my youth ministries just in my church ministries like i've had students with in the spectrum of autism so mm -hmm. um again not not an expert but i i think this handles it fairly well and i'll yeah. get to why i say fairly well and not very well yeah but i liked how he didn't go over the top like mm -hmm. with sheldon on big bang theory um, they, they didn't go over the top, like he's, you know, over serious and too comedic. Yeah. But the other thing is like, let's talk about the comedic parts. This isn't some like, uh, cry over Dakota Fanning because she has autism. Like she's, yeah. she's a, she's a basket case. There is some, you know, lightheartedness. It's very charming. Mm -hmm. It's, it, it treats autism. Like it's not a disease. It's something that you live with and there's yeah. funny moments, but it's not something to laugh at. It's just that it's not always, it doesn't always have to be serious. It doesn't always have to be a drama, yeah. a disease. It's it's just something that's part of life. Yeah, it's something that they just have to work with. Yeah. Um, but I thought the the movie was incredibly charming, you mm -hmm. know, especially the dog Pete. Like, Oh my gosh, that dog. That dog is, uh, if you've ever seen Floki on our Instagram, our dog, it's a squished version of Floki. It is a squished fluffy. Yeah, squished fluffy Floki. Yeah. But and the whole dog plays a really good part. And it plays um uh what do you call those animals? Um mental health animals. But I can't remember. So if you think of it, just like shout it out. But the whole movie is actually emotional. Emotional help dogs. Yeah. One of those. I, I can't think of it. But let's emotional move. support. Emotional support dogs, yeah. Um but Dakota Fanning has written a script for a Star Trek movie, and she's entering into a contest. She has to get it to L.A. on time, and she doesn't have enough time. I won't get into the circumstance why. I really yeah. think you should watch this movie. Yeah, she missed the time to send it to the like through the mail. Through the post office. And so she's on her journey to L.A. to yeah. drop it off at Paramount Pictures. Yeah, Paramount. Yeah, Paramount Pictures. And she's on her way from San Francisco to or Oakland. She's from yeah. Oakland to uh LA. Mm -hmm. And so it's that whole journey to get to that uh standpoint. And it's all has to do with the unfortunate events of humanity, right? One of the problems I have with this is that there is some really crappy people in this. And I can't yeah. there there's some things that it suspends disbelief in the shenanigans and mm -hmm. how crappy people can be to people yeah. with autism. Then I'm just like, I, I know there are people out there. And maybe it's because I like to see the good in people. But there's so many situations where I'm just like, people aren't this crappy, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there are some people I'm just like, it just seemed like, how can you not tell that there's clearly something different about this girl? Right. Like give her a minute like yeah there were some people who were like come on like or like are you kidding me about this like mm -hmm. after talking to her like it's like or trying to rip her off in a store yeah i was just like well, I, that see, no i believe that i don't people believe are jerks. that was like in the sticks oh uh, yeah you know true. what i mean mm -hmm. like yeah he was just a jerk yeah but like the people who were like rushing her and being mm -hmm. mean to her i'm just like like the bus driver yeah when she was like be just like like clearly there's something different yeah. about her like don't be me like really like i and yeah. i hate that people that thing about people in the real world like because mm -hmm. there are people like that i'm just like why have to be such a jerk and i think that's what messages are trying to portray is that like uh you should not handle again it's not handling autism like it's just a disease but handling it like they're people yeah like treat them like a human being like, man she's just more sensitive and doesn't yeah. She doesn't know these things. Mm -hmm. That's and that's okay. Yeah. Like it's I don't know. It's just people are mean. Yeah. Like even even if it was someone without autism who just has never traveled outside and they wanted to get on the bus, it's mm -hmm. like don't yeah. be mean about it. Just be a nice person. Exactly. Like you can even just take that from this movie. Just be a nice person overall and we won't have any problems. Mm -hmm. Um with the last few minutes, I just want to go into my one problem with this movie. 
Because when I talk about suspension of disbelief, that's mm-hmm. not really a problem. It's a movie. You know, yeah. there's a lot of times where you watch a movie and it's like, why did that happen? Because, because movie. Yeah, because they need it to happen in this movie. Yeah. And there's a lot of times in this film where things happen and you just ask us why? Because script. That's why. Yeah. Uh, because the momentum has to keep going. Yeah. There's a lot of times where I was watching this and I was just like, uh, mm, I don't want to be cinema sins, but man, it's being really hard on yeah. me right now. But it's just it's just a suspension of disbelief. It it happens because yeah. movie. But the one problem I did have with it, like illegitimate, is that it portrayed her as a very high functioning uh, person with autism. Yeah. And and here's the thing, I I understand that she was in a group home, and the whole point of group homes is to yeah. um not cure autism, but have them Help learn them cope. Yeah. But there's some situations where that would not happen. Um, if, if you've worked with people with autism, there's one scene and this isn't really a spoiler. Uh, she has to cross main street and she knows market street, market street. Sorry. She has to cross market street. Right. And she knows in her head, I do not cross market street. Like that's her instructions. That's in her head. That's in her, uh, Mm -hmm. operations. I do not cross market street. But then when she has to get to LA, she takes one breath, like I can cross market street and she crosses it. I'm like, that would not happen that easily. Like, and what what I have a problem with that is that saying that it takes more effort, right, yeah. from them. It, it would have taken more contemplation of the risk involved. And she would have been more terrified. She probably would have found another route around. I don't know. It, it portrayed her as very high functioning, and I feel like it missed the potential to really show the the awareness of mm-hmm. autism and what what they have to go through but at the same time like i said before this is a very charming movie this isn't a movie treating them like they're they're a plague yeah this is a movie just treating them like a human being mm-hmm. like going through the different lifestyles of a human being so it's a problem for me but at the same time i i'm giving this movie a lot of the benefit of the doubt because i think i think i think this is an indie film yeah. I'm not sure if it is or not, but I think this is an indie film. So there's a lot of things I, you know, I, I give it the suspension of dis- disbelief. Yeah. But if if you're like sensitive about that stuff, just keep that in mind. Last couple seconds. Let's go into our final rankings. Out of 10, what did you give it? I gave it a nine mm-hmm. out of 10. I really enjoyed it. I like people raising awareness and. Mm-hmm talking about autism because there are just so many people who treat people with autism terribly and like they don't understand i'm just like how do you not understand yeah like there are just some people who just complain about their behaviors mm-hmm. um like they're just so many who they complain about the behaviors of an autistic person mm-hmm. and it's just like you can't there are some things that they just need to do yeah and that's okay like even with OCD. Right. It's like there are people with severe OCD who have to do, have to count, have to yeah. do certain things. And that's just a baseline. That's just a minimal thing compared to someone with autism who yeah. people with autism, there are ones that need a specific routine to get through. I don't know. Just, I just, it, it always bothers me. So having a movie that kind of shows that mm-hmm. I like, and I also love Dakota Fanning. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, just last 30 seconds for me, I gave it a seven and a half and thinking about it now, maybe I'll give it an eight, a solid movie. It's just the problems of, you know, they try to portray her with autism and I don't think Dakota Fanning really fit the role. Right. I, I, I don't think she was trying too hard, mm-hmm. but I don't think it portrayed it as well as it could have. Cause I've, I would rather, I would rather this, where she didn't portray it enough, she missed some potential with this, than some people who overshoot it and make it seem like it's like the plague of the world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'd rather that. But I had way too many problems with the script uh, and some of the shenanigans that happened. And just like, why would that happen? Yeah. Um, especially with group home things. I'm like, why would that happen? And it just bothered me a little too much that i mm-hmm. could not give it a nine but i i loved the effort that they tried to do right yeah. with portraying autism with how we should treat those with that yeah um 
with that disability, right? Like it it portrayed that well, and it was doing its best. It made a good effort to send a a positive message to the world. So, yeah. um, But yeah, just want to remind you, this was called Please Stand By. This is on Hulu. If you're really interested in seeing it, not a waste of time. No, definitely not. Not a waste of time. I I definitely recommend it. I had problems with it, but that's because, you know, I'm picky, you know, (laughs) so... Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Please stand by. Yeah. Uh, so let's just bo- move to our second segment. Top three gaming news. The top three gaming news is the gaming news that we saw this week and we rank it three, two, one, just to give you a condensed version of what's happening in the gaming industry. And let's just start off with our number three gaming news. Microsoft has announced that E3 presentation will announce, get this, 14 new exclusives to the Xbox, right? Uh, So Phil Spencer went out on Twitter, super excited. I actually have a screenshot and I'm looking it up now. I'm just going to keep talking until I have it on my thing. How's everybody doing? You doing good? That's good. All right. So I have the tweet here. Phil Spencer tweets this. Just finishing our final E3 rehearsal here with the team in Redmond. Uh, Feel really good about the briefing. Lots to show. We have 14 Xbox Game Studios games in the show this year. More first-party games that we've ever had in the show. Fun times, hashtag Xbox E3. Uh, Phil Spencer is hyping up the naysayers after a disappointing couple years with uh, not enough exclusives. Um, My final notes here, and we'll discuss it. Uh, Halo Infinite, Gears 5, Fable 4, these are all already announced. We know we're going to see them. Uh, but I'm thinking that we're going to see new IPs from Ninja Theory and uh, Compulsion Games. So I'm thinking we're going to see a lot from those. And Microsoft will be holding a two-hour presentation. So I'm very excited to see what they're doing with these 14 titles. So thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw it coming because throughout the year we've seen them buy other companies and other mm-hmm. titles and things like that. So I think we kind of saw it coming, but 14, 14. in one, mm-hmm. in just one presentation yeah, is a lot. Like usually you kind of like, yeah, they've been collecting the companies throughout the year, but um, to release them, mm-hmm. like not release them, but like to talk about them and present them like, hey, look, 14 new ones, like all at once yeah, is a lot. It is a lot. And I don't think we're going to see most of them this year. No, probably not. We're going to see Gears 5, I think, this year. I know I, I some people are saying 2020. I have a feeling we're going to see a 2019 date. Maybe, I, maybe I'm mishearing. I don't know if they said or released it yet, but I have a feeling we're going to get Gears 5 this year. Yeah. Um, but I see 14. And all I keep thinking is that, well, they're showing off the next generation Xboxes. Yeah. And they're going to be like, oh, why should you buy it? Boom. Ten games, you know, that that are going to be like next gen, including. Yeah, they're probably going to save a lot of them for their next generation. Yeah. Halo Um, Infinite and mm -hmm. Fable 4 are going to be next gen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm excited for compulsion games. Do you remember them? I remember the name. I don't remember what games it goes with. We Happy Few. Yeah. Yes. So. I still need to finish that. Yeah. (laughs) I was so excited for it and I haven't finished it yet. I have so many games I need to finish. But uh, but why haven't you finished it? Because of what game? I've been playing Sims, but... Yes. But. But. So I am determined to get all the trophies from Sims. All. So that's why I've been playing Sims so much because like I want to collect all the trophies. All the trophies. And one of them is having 26 generations. Yikes. And I'm only on my third. Mm. So that's that I am playing Sims for a reason. I am playing it for the trophies. Yeah. Um, but no, I I am determined to finish um we have beyond, oh, beyond Beyond Two Souls, which is I'm in the middle of Detroit. Well, I haven't even started that. Yeah. But I am I am determined to play them. I need to take a break from Sims, probably. Probably. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I'm excited for it. But my thoughts are we're not going to see those games anytime soon. Mm -hmm. You're going to see them. And it's only because we're going to see the next generation. And I think we're going to get a new IP from Ninja Theory and Compulsion Games. Um, We're definitely going to see Fable 4 in E3. 
So, you know, not too many thoughts, but... You know, I, I think it's all going to be next generation. Mm -hmm. So don't be too excited that we're going to get like these games in the next year or two. They're going to be next gen. They're yeah. just going to tease them. And then we're going to see it like much later. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's jump into our number two gaming news and Death Stranding. We always talk about Death Stranding on this podcast. How you doing, everybody? <laughs> uh, but Death Stranding. Got a nine minute trailer along with a release date of 2019. Yeah. Who would have thought that? So during a Twitch stream, we got a nine minute trailer showing off the story and the gameplay. And we got to see the UI, some gunplay and uh, a little bit more, more about the story of how uh, Sam is going on this mission. A lot of people have been picking up because it's taking place in America. It's Sam. Oh, it's Uncle Sam. I'm like, oh, my goodness, if that's the reason. Uh, but he's on a mission from the president to go uh, build bridges and stuff. And we get more about this whole strand system yeah. kind of thing. Uh, what surprised me, what surprised me the most is that we got a release date of November 8th this year, even after the, the rumored slight delay. Because if you yeah. remember, uh, Kojima once said like, hey, I'm sorry, but... The game has been slightly delayed. It's going to be a slightly delayed for a couple months. We're like, okay, February 2020 then. It's probably going to release in like August. Yeah, I was thinking, thinking like August or September. It was yeah. probably going to release. And then we got the November 8th and I was like, oh, so it was it was supposed to be. Yeah, it was almost. It's That means that they were almost at the end, but they wanted to yeah. tweak it a little bit. So I was a little surprised about that. But what, do you, what are your thoughts about the release date? That well, you already shared it, but. Yeah, I mean, that is really soon. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think if they said that they were going to push it back a couple months, that means it was probably going to release August, September, somewhere between July and September, probably. Mm -hmm. um, and they just want to wanted to make sure it was perfect. And, you know, they maybe they added something when they said it's going to be a little later. Yeah, that was going to take time. Um, mm -hmm. You didn't show me the trailer. I didn't. No. Oops. You said that. I'm like, wait, there was a trailer? Like, Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> uh, it's been a busy week. Yeah. Um, so I'll watch it after we're done recording. But I mean, yeah. I have no doubt. I'm so excited for this game. It sounds really good. Yeah. Uh, the whole trailer was just super abstract. And you, you got to see way more of the game than we ever have before. Yeah. But, oh, wow. It I'm was... excited. Do you think they're going to say anything or show anything about it at E3? I don't think so. And I talked about that on the Ham Radio podcast. Um, the reason being is because there's no studio that it would make sense to show at. Yeah. And since he is showing things now, mm -hmm. I mean, he showed on Twitch stream, what else are they going to show a week a week yeah. after you release the trailer? Exactly. So, like, yeah, that's true. They might show it at State of Play. They might. Because PlayStation is having a State of Play, I believe, this Friday, June 7th. I think I'm not sure though, but I think it's this Friday. Um, they might show it there, and I know Death Stranding is coming to PC pretty soon, so we might be surprised. And during the PC gaming show, it's possible we might get a Death Stranding trailer again. That would be that would be really interesting, that actually. Would. Maybe they'll go more in depth with it at E3. Who knows? I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, before we move into our number one gaming news, I just want to read this tweet from uh, Hideo Kojima. Okay. Um, Death Stranding is not a stealth game. It's not a stealth game. It is a brand new action game with a concept of connection, the strands. I will call I call it the social strand system or simply strand game. Tomorrow is in your hands. So it's not a stealth game. That means I'll be okay to play it by myself. Yeah. Yay. But I'm really <laughs> interested to see what this whole strand system means. Yeah. But. Do we know how long this game is going to be? Did he say the he's, length? He didn't say the length of the game, but he said there's going to be long cutscenes. I don't care about the cutscenes. I just mean more of like, how long will it take me to finish this game? No, I don't think he said the length of the game. Okay. But it's Hideo Kojima. And when he said that there's going to be long cutscenes, if you've ever played the recent Metal Gear games, they're long. Yeah. They are long cutscenes. And so he thinks this is longer. Yeah. He's like saying, yes, okay. it's going to be a Kojima long cutscene. I'm like, oh, here we go. But so keep that in mind. There's not going to be a pause menu anytime soon. Uh, so let's move into our number one gaming news. Um, number one, Todd Howard knew that Fallout 76 would have some bumps and he told this to IGN, right? Mm -hmm. Let's take a little bit of time on this. 
So my first note on this is that uh, Howard told IGN that there were new systems in place and it was a non-traditional uh, Bethesda Game Studios, but they wanted to go ahead and make it their own, right? Mm-hmm. They, they wanted to say that, like, listen, this isn't what we usually do, but this is the game we want to put out. Yeah. But we knew there would be some hiccups. Do you think that that means that, like, they didn't really consider the consumer and they were just thinking about themselves? What do you think about that? I do think partially mm-hmm. that is still on them. Yeah. Because if you want to try something new, that's fine. Like, if you're just a regular person right? and you want to go try something new in your life, like you want to go try playing soccer for the yeah. first time at 35 years old, yeah. go ahead, do whatever you want. I don't sure. care. Yeah. If you're an indie developer, video, like an indie mm-hmm. video game developer, and you want to try something out of your arm, that's fine. Yeah. But when you're a huge company mm-hmm. that's looked at and admired and yeah. you have tons of money. Yeah. And when you're established like that, if you're going to try something new, you're still expected mm-hmm. to produce a good game. Like, yeah, it's new and that's fine, but maybe you should have taken more time to do it. Maybe you should have perfected it before yeah. releasing it or even before talking about it. Make sure that it's going to be, it's fine. If you expect, all right, it's going to have some hiccup. It's going to have some bumps. Mm-hmm. If you knew that going in, then why didn't you work that out before talking about it, before releasing it? Like, I completely understand being one that gets so excited that you can't not tell people. Right. I get that. I'm that way. But when you're a big company, mm-hmm. you can't do that. Like no, yeah. you, they could have not talked about it for longer so that they could have made it better. Like it, if yeah. you knew it was going to have hiccups, you should have waited. Sorry, I keep cutting you off, but I'm really angry about this. <laughs> no, I was going to like pick up that like even Howard himself said like we wish we did the beta for longer periods of time. Yeah. We wish we tested it longer for 24-7. Yeah. And you that, even said yeah, that. Yeah, that was my other problem with it was mm-hmm. that their beta was way too controlled. It was. Like they're like you can come in during this time. Yeah, it was just bullcrap. And only crap. this many people can go. Like that's not a good beta because it's not testing your game, seeing its abilities mm-hmm. when you're controlled controlling it like that you need to release a beta as if it's the game and see where it breaks yeah and fix it and i still think they should have developed it longer like yeah yeah they might have pissed you guys off mm-hmm. who are playing it but at the same time they also didn't need to talk about it as soon as they did they could have just pushed everything back if they knew it was going to happen which right. he clearly stated that they knew it was going to have bumps yeah which it- is fine i'm fine with bumps i'm just i'm just saying and he also said that uh, Bethesda Game Studios knows of all the backlash, but this is the game they wanted to, and they want to. They they also wanted to grow it. And um, he even said that Howard learned, and I already said this that the beta should have been longer. Uh, but he's learning to uh, engage with fans and continuing momentum with this thing. I I just had a problem because yes, he was apologetic. Yes, he learned his lessons, and I can understand where a creative person wants to uh, do something new with mm-hmm. their life. They don't want to always do. But the problem I had with that is like, this is the game we wanted to do. Use a different IP, man. Yeah. Like why are you why are you trying to bank on the Fallout's IP, right? When he could have just done something new. Yeah, and even if it, even if it is like that's part of what they wanted to do, yeah. they wanted it to be connected to Fallout. Right. Like I said, you wanted to do it that's great and that's fine if you want to try new things it's great when companies want to try new things and see where they can go yeah but when you're an established company like they are a company that has Mm -hmm. so many fans and followers like you are such a bethesda fanboy, Mm -hmm. you'll almost play anything they release pretty much actually yeah and then knowing that Mm -hmm. still knowingly promoted a game they knew wasn't ready yeah and like i said that's fine if you want to start something new more power to you but when you're an established company and you're watched Mm -hmm. maybe you should have waited a while till you knew you guys could handle a game like that yeah you know and the other problem is that they only talked about the problems with the game yeah they didn't talk about the problems with everything else surrounding it like the merch yeah they didn't touch on that in that interview like Like, i want to hear his opinion on that yeah like because that wasn't that was part of the problem that was part of the heat they were getting Mm -hmm. you know so no i'm still mad at bethesda (laughs) yeah i'm I'm glad that he's admitting his faults i'm glad he came out yeah 
What I want more though is that's great. You came out for one interview, but I'm seeing a lot of Sean Murray with this thing that where they're going off the radar that Pete Hines, we haven't seen Pete Hines yeah. on Twitter in a long time. And it just, it just feels like they're in hiding until they're yeah. ready to come out. And it feels a lot like Sean Murray where Sean Murray really fixed no man's guy. It, mm -hmm. it really came out. And, and that's what he said. Todd Howard was just like, oh, yeah, look at No Man's Sky. Look at all these online games. And they eventually get better. My problem with that mentality is that you didn't put any effort into it. And you just released it because you had the mentality like, oh, look at all the other on online yeah. games. They got better over time. People still bought it. And you're just People like. People buy Bethesda things because it's Bethesda. They expect. Yeah. Again, they hold Bethesda to a higher standard. And that's the thing, to bank on people to be idiots enough to buy it and then you'll fix it later. Like, I hate when companies do that. And I've said that before on here, that like, just because you know you can fix it later and you know people will buy it, that's terrible. People invest their money and video games aren't cheap anymore. No. Like, they're This not, should have been yeah. a beta for a long time. Yeah. Like, this really should have been just a free early access yeah. Or, or just a cheaper early access like PUBG was. Um, I don't know if it was cheaper. I can't remember. I'm sorry about that. But that's the thing. I'm glad that Todd Howard came out. And I'm glad that he did this interview. And I'm mm -hmm. glad he's apologetic and looks like he's learned his lessons. It really seems like he does. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact of the matter that you put it out with a mentality of like, oh, look at all the other online games. They got better over time, so we don't have to put out yeah, a good so, game. So we'll fix it later. We'll fix it later. And just that mentality kind of like irks me a little bit. It does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because people invest money in this stuff. And yeah. Again, like we've talked about this on other, uh, on on other, other shows, yeah. On other shows before where um Yeah. Oh man, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Well Well, that's just a lot of silence now. Sorry. Yeah. I completely it just I said it and you agreed and then yeah. it left. It was gone. It's like, okay, I'm done here. Bye. Yeah. So moving on. Sorry. Yeah. I think we can move on to. Yeah. I think we said enough. It's just that, you know, this interview kind of like says a lot about what Todd Howard did and what the team did in Austin. Yeah. And it just kind of like it puts more flame to the fire and more gas to the fire just to say like, bro, you. And there occasionally were times in the interview where he still sounded proud yeah and, and and i'm proud of him for thinking that way like you know i still have a lot of faith in this game it's one thing to have faith in this game but it's another thing oh one last point and then we'll move on to our last thing that one thing where he asked ign asked mm -hmm. they were just like he, he he said to him well do you think this had any negative impact to bethesda games or the fallout ip and and todd was like um, you know, I think a little bit. I mean, it would be naive to say if it had no, but I think it had a little bit of an impact. I'm like, it's like, dude, yo, yes, it did. Says the man whose company's been in hiding. Yeah, I think it had a little bit to do with it. I'm like, it, it had a lot more than a little, Todd. Like, yeah. let's be honest here. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our final segment. So our talkie time is our final segment on every single episode. And we just like to have a conversation piece every single episode just to talk about the games industry or any questions that we have. And uh, this is coming back from a question from our episode 50. And uh, we kind of reworded it to be a conversational point. Yeah. The question was, you know, what game world would you want to live in? And we want to talk about why are game worlds so important in games, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to start us off with a conversation that the biggest complaint I've heard about Rage 2, other than the story, is that there's a massive world that you're in. It's a, a huge open mapped world, but there's nothing in it. Yeah. And that's why game worlds are important. End credits. No. <laughs> um, and done. And But the whole problem with game worlds right now is that they try to be as big as possible, as open world as possible. But the problem behind that is it doesn't feel lived in, right? Mm -hmm. And then jumping back to that, we can go relate that to Life is Strange, right? Where yeah. it does feel lived in. So when you enter into a game's world, a game's universe, what are you trying to look for when you're entering into that? What's something that you find yourself investing in? Um, the scenery. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just kind of, I don't really think about it. 
Yeah. It's mostly just the scenery and like when you're playing Life is Strange season two and they were in the woods, like they yeah. included bird noises and birds flying around and raccoons scurrying. Which they didn't have to. No, they absolutely yeah. didn't have to. And that's what I mean. Like yeah. that, like they didn't just do a forest. They included sounds and mm-hmm. sights of a forest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. No, I, I like what you said that like I don't really like to think about it. Yeah, I I mean not even that I like I don't like to it's that I don't I don't think about it when I'm playing a game. No, that's until what I, something's wrong probably. Well, that's what I'm, I was going to say is that I think the best game worlds is that you're in it and you don't even think about it. Yeah. The problem I had now it had nothing to do with the game world. This had to do with the graphics, the engine behind it. But Kingdom Come Deliverance, when I first played that game, I really wanted to be invested in the world, but. The lag of the world made me like, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it just took me out of the yeah, immersion. Everything that's glitching behind you and around you, that kind of yeah. takes you out of it. And that's the other point is that we're not talking about graphics of a game here. Yeah. Because I was invested in Morrowind. If you go back to Morrowind, it does not look realistic. But yeah, that's but a, there are some people who that is yeah. what helps them be invested in it is the graphics and mm-hmm. the precision that like assassin's creed has you know yeah with um assassin's creed odyssey assassin's creed origins mm-hmm. that place looked pretty yeah but to be invested in a game world you can't just have big map and then there you go yeah you have to have things within it just peppered in yeah right to, to give it flavors mm-hmm. seasonings and I, and I brought it back to life is strange because i want to specifically talk about season one where you're wandering around blackwell academy mm-hmm. right Versus a game like Rage 2 where, you know, it's just a big open world and there's not much in it, right? There's just people to kill. But Life is Strange 1, right? When you're walking through Blackwell Academy, you're seeing seeing the different teenagers having conversations, playing with drones. You see a teacher that's trying to sign a petition with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have different conversations, different interactions. There's skaters, right? Mm -hmm. It's filled, it's condensed, it's it's uh, it's dense yeah. with interaction, right? And it feels lived in, right? And, that, and that's what I really liked about Assassin's Creed Origins, right? Not Odyssey. Get out of there, that garbage. I can talk. Yeah. Garbage. I, garbage. So Assassin's Creed Origins, what it really did really well was have each character have a daily schedule. Mm-hmm. Each person had to go to their jobs. They woke up, they went to sleep, they had yeah. to go eat, they did their laundry and it felt lived in. And that's what you made feel. That's what yeah. made you feel invested into the game. Mm-hmm. Like when, when talking about life is strange one, you, you really enjoyed that game. Yeah. Like when you were talking about when they're walking around Blackwell, if you think about it, every single person in the courtyard, when you're going from the school back to your dorm, Mm-hmm. she could interact with every person, whether it was talking to them or she had a thought about them. Yeah. Like, so that means every person in that courtyard had a name mm-hmm. and some sort of personality trait mm-hmm. for her to talk about. A backstory. Yeah. yeah. So like Samuel, the, the, the uh, groundskeeper. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, not even that, even the ones that are like, I mean, like she, if say there wasn't an option to talk to them, yeah, she could still view them and would have a thought about them. Right. Like, every single person had some sort of story in that courtyard and that i think is kind of cool yeah and and that's the thing it, it's not even talking about a game world that's you know and love like washington dc of mm-hmm. uh, division two when i look at a game world i want to be in that game world i want to live in it yeah. right i don't want to be bored if i live in it right mm-hmm. i think this is why i was so invested in skyrim because it doesn't matter how far you go you're you're just you're you're in a different landscape. You're interacting with different people. You're interacting with different quests. Mm-hmm. Each town is much more different than the other. Like uh, Winterhelm, oh, man, is that it? Winterhelm is different than White Run. Uh, everything is like different uh, with economies and um, w- what kind of people are there, right? Yeah. So you have different interactions and different uh, stories to tell wherever you go. Right. Yeah. And even as you're traveling to different areas, it's not empty within the world. You have creatures, you have uh, trees and landscapes, uh, pretty things to look at. Yeah. Right. Uh, you haven't spent too much t- time in Skyrim, just, I guess, looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I watch you. Yeah. But occasionally. 
But I think the good part, the great part about Skyrim especially is the landscape. Yeah. No, I've seen when you stop and take pictures Mm -hmm. there, certain things like that, when you go, babe, look at this. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so pretty. Yeah. Especially the the 4K rendering of Skyrim, right? Yeah. Um, But that's what I need is just not just an open landscape, right? Mm -hmm. Now, do you think that a world could be too dense, like too many things going on? Like I, like I think Life is Strange kind of touches on it pretty well, right? Yeah. But I feel like, what if there was too many people? Could there be a time where there's too many things going on? Yes, but I feel like a creator wouldn't do that unless it was part of the story. Right. You know what I mean? Like, why would a developer or creator give themselves extra tons of hours of work true if it wasn't necessary for the story like why would they fill the courtyard with a hundred people yeah when that would mean doing so much extra unnecessary work well i think that can go into the ending of episode two of life strange one where Mm -hmm. you're you're saving the girl right and there's all those people in the courtyard exactly and there was a purpose behind that exactly and they didn't need to develop names and backstories for every single one of those people because Mm -hmm. she was just getting her way through them whereas if they had filled the um yard outside of the school with hundreds of people interacting Mm -hmm. that would feel unnecessary Mm -hmm. Um, unless they were trying to create a specific type of emotional feeling. Yeah. Which they would have portrayed in her thoughts. Because yeah. Because you'd be like, oh my gosh, this is so crowded. There's so many people. I need to get back to my dorm. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they wouldn't give themselves that much work unless it was necessary for the story or emotions of the main character. Right. Um, now, we're talking about, like, generally open world games, open hub games. Like Mm -hmm. Life is Strange is definitely an open hub and Skyrim and Rage 2 are more open world. But let's talk about like linear games, right? Uh, Linear games can have a world that you're invested in, whether you want to or not. And the game I think you can relate to is Heavy Rain, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, What did you enjoy about that game world? I mean, it wasn't realistic. What do you mean? The two. Okay, you know how I feel about him jumping off the roof and her jumping out the window. Oh no, I'm not talking about the story, but just like know, the I'm world saying, around you. I'm just saying. That's what I mean. That part of the world was not realistic. Jason. They both should have died if one died. I'm Jason. just saying. Anyway. Yeah. I'm still better about that. Mm-hmm. Um. But no, I mean the world was very realistic. Again, it, I didn't think about it, so that means that nothing was wrong with it. Yeah. So and there's that. And uh, oh, I f- totally forgot. Uh, Heavy Rain actually takes place in Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now think about that. We're both from Philadelphia. Yeah. Did you feel like we were in Philadelphia? Um, I mean, it just—I don't remember specifics, but I don't remember saying like, "Oh yeah, this is Philly." Like they didn't really do anything that was specific to Philadelphia. Yeah. But yeah, it was more of just like when when we found out it takes place in Philly. Or just like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. It didn't really feel like Philadelphia. You wouldn't know it from yeah, the start. Yeah, because I was about to ask you, like, is this... I'm like, what? I was about to ask you before you said it's based in Philly. I was like, what? Is, I'm like, where is Heavy Rain based? Um, yeah. I think Detroit yeah. Become Human has to do with Philadelphia, too. Shut up. I'm pretty sure. Oh, man, what does um Beyond... Well, Beyond goes into different places, right? Yeah. yeah, it goes into different areas of, of the nature. But when we're talking about linear games, right, it has to invest you as well because you're you're in a short period of I time. Like, I feel like Beyond Two Souls is Chicago. I don't know why, but that's standing out in my you head. You think Chicago? I think I'm going to look it up. Yeah. But even these linear titles need to have this open world that's lived in because you're, you're invested in the story, right? But I think a good game world keeps you within the story it keeps you in this world it has you stay in the world right um i I think of it more of like so say you're at a party right and there's a lot of good food there you know there's good people interactions but let's say it's in like a really rundown home 
you know, I'm talking about my old home, like my old yeah. row home in Philadelphia, right? Where like there's no wallpaper and there's bugs crawling around, you know, like it's just not like a good atmosphere, right? Yeah. You're you're staying there because you like your friends and it's it's really like a good party or good interactions, you know, good times, good cheese, you know, really good yeah. cheese and crackers. But the atmosphere around you, it doesn't make you feel welcome. It doesn't make you feel like you want to stay there, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of times where we like to clean our house a lot is because we like to give it a good atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you find out where where it takes place? Not yet. So I'm gonna keep talking then. Um, but yeah, so I, I I think that a good game world keeps you invested in the story because it's the atmosphere around you that keeps you in it. I, I keep going back to Skyrim. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We, oh, we yeah, don't. I don't think it's based anywhere specific. If anyone knows, please let us know because I'm actually really interested now. Yeah. Um, well, it takes place in different areas. Like, I think you go to Arizona at one point and uh, you, you travel around. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think a good world is that atmosphere that keeps you like i keep going back to skyrim mm-hmm. and yeah like the the quests are cool and the story's fine the story's kind of it's okay it's not as good as morrowind story but it's the it's the atmosphere that keeps you in it you want to be in skyrim you want to mm-hmm. be in this world and it's what keeps you staying in it whereas if it was the same story the same kind of quest but let's say in like a less condensed area right mm-hmm. it was just forest that's it it was just forest yeah. there's nothing else there's no people interactions you have to go point a to point b you want to find a drive in it because you don't want to be in that place yeah i think that's the reason why i didn't like it says great odyssey so much is because i didn't like the area i i hated how i had to go from point a to point b and just keep walking walking mm-hmm. this boring place and then, yeah you can argue like well it says good origins just has sand I hate sand, but I don't know. I something about Origins. I enjoyed that world better than Greece. Yeah, you can you can call me crazy, but what what do you think about all that? Like a good atmosphere keeps you invested in the story. I mean, yes. When I'm playing games and the terrain is making me walk slower and it doesn't let me run, mm-hmm. that makes me very angry. Because I like if I have the option to run in games, I run just because I'm impatient. Yeah. So if it's a terrain where it's a game where the terrain is making me walk slower, like in snow, like in Beyond Two Souls, there's a part where she's walking oh, yeah, in yeah. snow at one point. Yeah. And um, I'm just like, I don't want to deal with that mm-hmm. at all. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. You don't want to deal with it, but at least it's like... But it is very realistic, and I do appreciate that. So I guess that's okay. Yeah. And and that's the thing about a landscape, that it has to be condensed enough to be realistic enough that, yeah, maybe the snow gets on your nerves. But it is realistic. Yeah. Like, you reminded me about uh, Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah. um, The really cool part about that, that people just freaked out over before we got the story, um, is that there was snow levels in it because it had to take place in North America. Yeah. And the snow actually slowed you down as you ran. So you had to climb the trees and just jump through the trees. Mm-hmm. Because if you're trying to run through enemies in the snow, you're actually slowing down yeah. in the snow. And it's that part of the landscape that's realistic and lived in. And it's actual snow. Mm-hmm. And you're just invested in the story that much more because, okay, I need to get to point A to point B. And I can't walk in the snow because I'm yeah. too slow. And I have to climb the trees. That's it. Yeah. But so I think the last point I want to make about like why game worlds are just so important to us is that it goes back to our last episode. Our last episode, we talked about why do video games create memories, Mm -hmm. right? And I think this relates well to this because you love a video game so much. It creates memories in you because it, it you go back into a game world. And if you've Mm -hmm. invested enough time in a certain place, you start to get nostalgic about it, right? Mm -hmm. Think about, like, if we were to go back to Philly, right, and we go through uh, the Roosevelt Mall, right? There was this, like, little... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the Roosevelt Mall or Franklin Mills. It's Franklin Mills. Actually, you said Philly, and I imagined the Acme on the boulevard, and... Yeah. I was just like, I don't know why my brain went there. I was like, hmm. Yeah. Waiting for the bus. <laughs> and that's the thing. You're in an area. You're in a landscape. You're in a game world. 
And it takes you right back to when you were a kid, right? Can we make a video game based in Northeast Philadelphia? Can someone do that for me? Well, I know Tony Hawk's Proving Ground has to do with North Philadelphia. See that? I don't. I never lived there, though. Yeah. I've only ever lived in the Northeast. Bummer. Oh, I still have to play Homefront, uh, The Revolution. That has to take place in Philly. Yeah, so I think there's some parts in Northeast Philly. I'll have to play that. I really, I really have to, uh, because it takes place in Philly, and that goes back to like, well, we won't talk about. Sorry, that. I got us so off base. Yeah, but going back <laughs> to the memories because we're almost out of time. Yeah, honestly, um, <clears throat> but it, because you spent so much time, mm-hmm. that's where you become nostalgic. Yeah, right. Yeah, I still remember Fallout Three, and. That that first uh, awakening, I didn't like it as much as Fallout Four, or Fallout Four. I didn't like as much as Fallout Three's reveal. Mm-hmm. But when you first open the doors of Vault One Hundred One, right, and you get to see Washington D.C. all in the nuclear wasteland, and yeah. you get to see the entire landscape, it's just that fresh feeling, like ah, childhood. Yeah, and you just go out into the wasteland. Mm-hmm. And you just have a blast and you're walking through the wasteland and you're like, I remember when I was here and you can remember about the times when you first went there and mm-hmm. uh, what you were going through in life and um, what friends you had and what friends you told us to and annoyed because you were talking too much about Fallout 3's wasteland. But it's just, just this epic um, nostalgia trip, right? Yeah. When you go back into a, a, a game world, it should bring you back nostalgia. But when the game world is empty, there's nothing really to mark a memory with. Yeah. Right. Uh, what, do, what do you think about all that? No, I, I agree. Um, and that kind of goes into my way of thinking is that because we had also talked about how when the game, when you're in a game, it is almost like you can visit those places. Yeah. And um, so that kind of goes with the nostalgia thing where it's like I've never been mm-hmm. to Washington DC, mm-hmm. but when you played the Division Two, yeah, Division, the Division Two, Two um, it was like, oh wow, that looks yeah like what DC, and you even recognize there are places you knew where you were going because you've mm-hmm. been to Washington DC. You're like, oh yeah, I just go right up the street. Yeah, I've been to DC uh, a few times, and um, yeah, I first got into Division Two. It's not totally perfect. But that's hard to do. But I, yeah. I just walked through. It's like, oh, man, I remember this. And I was trying to find the uh, the Jefferson, Jefferson Memorial. Yeah. I was like, hey, there it is. See, I've never been anywhere interesting. Yeah. So if I if they were to make games where I knew where I was going, it'd have to be in Northeast Center City. Yeah. Or South Jersey. I'll have to pick up <laughs> Homefront The Revolution because I know the game is glitchy and I got super bummed. Uh, by the way, that was a super easy sell in GameStop when it worked there. Because I worked in Philadelphia, and it's just like, hey, do you want to pre-order Homefront the Revolution? They're like, ah. I'm like, it takes place in Philly. Oh. oh and, and they okay. got super interested. Yeah, in- any if you're from Philly, or if you know anyone from Philly, honestly, if they're not into something, tell them it's based on Philly. Yeah, and they'll, they'll be like, it. oh. They'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I still remember when I watched The Happening. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but anyways, I watched The Happening in theaters in Philly, right? And The happening's all about this disease that's making people, like, trip out and, like, kill themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a horrible movie, like, with a horrible disease. But the disease was coming to Philly. And, like, you read on the screen, Philadelphia, PA. And the whole theater's like, yeah! <laughs> and I'm like, no, that means we're going to die. We really love where we're from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I haven't picked it up because I heard it was super glitchy. But I heard ACG said that it's completely fixed, too. That's good. So I'll have to pick that up. And I want to see, like, how close it got to Philly. But that's the other thing. You walk through a game world that you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like, if you listen to a good game, great game. What's up, guys? How are you doing? <laughs> if, if you look through a good game, great game, I believe it's Andrew Orsi, who's from West Virginia. And he said he went through Fallout 76. Yeah. And he went through there and he's like, oh, it's it's based in West Virginia. I love West Virginia. And he just had a good time there until he realized um, it was Fallout 76. And then he had a bad time yeah. there. And but I was going to say that, that they did do a lot of work making sure it looked like West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And um, I appreciate when people do that. So that's what I mean. Like when you're in games and like even Assassin's Creed, like, yeah, you know, you can see what those places looked like back then. You know, they did 
you, I mean, if you read or um, watch any videos or mm-hmm. interviews or documentaries, they worked very hard on making sure they got origins to look as much like you know, ancient Egypt yeah. as close as they could. Um, so that's appreciated that you can see what these places look like. And mm-hmm. even the past Assassin's Creed, a lot of them are mm-hmm. in Italy and you get to, even if you've been to Italy now, you weren't in Italy back then. Yeah, and exactly. you can see what that was like. And I always like that because I like history. St- yeah. I like historical stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Assassin's Creed, uh, the Ezio collection, like all has to do with like Rome and mm-hmm. Italy. And like, I, I loved that yeah. trilogy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. I, I think the importance of game worlds is just like it needs to place you into a world that's believable and it's yeah. dense and there's people in it. And the importance of that and you like like you said, and, I'm, and this is the closing thoughts. It's just the little details that make the difference. Yeah. And where you said that Life is Strange 2, they didn't have to put the raccoons or the birds chirping or the birds flying. Yeah. But it took those details, right? Even mm-hmm. in Assassin's Creed Origins, the... Falcons and the Hawks actually had a flight plan, right? And yeah. they and they landed in nests. Uh, same same thing with Skyrim, I believe. It had flight plans with the birds. Yeah. Um, and it's just those things that they don't have to do, but it makes it so much more believable. And yeah. you want to be in that world. And it's because of those things that it keeps you invested in the story. Like I said, the last note I have is just, and I said this already before, but yes, the story drives you, mm-hmm. but the game world keeps you invested the the game world uh, my dog is scratching himself um but the game world keeps you invested within that realm and you want to stay yeah just like with a party there's good friends there's good times good food but if the atmosphere is really crummy you're just like this is great but can we leave now yeah you know but a good game world keeps you driven within the story Mm -hmm. right uh any other closing thoughts no, I think we kind of summed it all up. Yeah. But so if you're new to this podcast, if you listen to us on or or just me on the Ham Radio podcast, Liz wasn't on there. No, I wasn't invited. Yeah. So I already, That's okay. I really don't have enough opinions on gaming news to, yeah. to be on a whole podcast for two and a half hours on gaming news. But uh, if you're new to this and you're just listening to the conversation for first point, this is what we do. We just take a we just take a topic about the gaming industry and we just have a conversation. It's nothing too serious. It's nothing uh, to take in like really literal, like what technical advantages the game worlds have. But it's just a conversation point. And I, I hope that you uh, talk along with us so you can follow us on Twitter and just uh, give us your opinions. That's all we like to do. We like to just start conversations about games. So. Definitely continue conversations with your friends and with us. Yeah, you can talk to us on Twitter. You can talk to me on Twitter. Yeah, we like to talk to you guys. So if you're new here, we like to just start conversations about the game news, movies, and just random gaming topics. So yeah. we, lo- we would love to have you join along in our little journey of podcasting. You can talk to me about Sims and Sims 5 going to be at E3. It's not going to be at E3. Yes, it is. Um, that would be interesting. That would be a good surprise at E3 if they just... Exactly. They are going to have a panel about Sims 4. They're going to be streaming Sims 4. I don't know what that's going to be about. I... Even if they just said Sims 5 isn't coming out till 2027, I don't care. (laughs) I just want to know. Yeah. Like, I just want to know, is it happening and when? Even if they say it's not happening, I just need to know. Yeah. True, true, true. All right, so let's just close this out here. But uh, we just want to remind you again to follow us on social media. Firstly, on Twitter, you can follow us uh, at Gaming Groceries. That's the Twitter handle for this week's podcast or this week's podcast. (laughs) This week, that's the name. Next week, it's going to (laughs) change. But the podcast Twitter handle is at Gaming Groceries. You can follow us individually. I'm at Ace the Grocer. And I'm at Journey First. So you can follow us individually and tell us which one of us is your favorite. Obviously me. How you doing? That was weird. Hmm. You can follow <laughs> us on Instagram, Games and Groceries, all one word. You can also check out our website, gamesandgroceries.com, where you can listen to all of our episodes. You can read the blog post that I write eventually. And you can uh, even see some of the ratings that people have given us. Uh, and if you want to be on the website with your rating, just send us your rating, where you send it to, and you have your chance to be on the website and just people check out your review saying like, hey, Adam's super cool. Okay. Super cool guy. Anyway. And um, 
And lastly, just to remind you again, we have a two-part series on E3 coming up. First part is going to be coming on June 10th, second part on June 12th, and these might be a little bit longer. And the last point I'll make, speaking of long episodes, uh, definitely check out the Ham Radio podcast. I was a guest on there. We talked about uh, everything that happened this past week. So it was a lot of fun, really long episode, but it's so worth your time. So definitely give that a check out. So anything else I, I missed? No, I think you covered it all. All right, sweet. All right, we thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope to have you back for next week's episode where we talk about E3. That was synchronized. So we hope to have you back that next week. So have a good week. Talk to you later.